Welcome to Everything You Remember Sucks. I'm your only female co-host, Colleen. And I am one of the male co-hosts, Matt. And I did my waiting! Twelve years of it! In Azkaban! And I'm your third host, Anoop. <laughs> Do you feel like an immense pressure to have something lined up? Like, is it stressful? Not, not lately. I mean, <laughs> admittedly, all of these movies have something that i could use yeah that's very true and you probably don't even need to look it up it's just like we know them so well <laughs> yeah i mean the levels on that are gonna be a nightmare so but whatever <laughs> i like i have to move away from the mic uh, that's for me to deal with <laughs> i mean i don't think anyone's coming to our podcast for the production quality I mean, no one's no, coming to our podcast not. anyway, so... Hey, hey, I've got our one listener is really excited for us to start releasing episodes again. <laughs> Joke's on them, because it's never happened. My mom said she's excited, too, so we've got two listeners. Hey, mom. That's <laughs> how it starts, grassroots movement. <laughs> Guerrilla marketing. Okay, each of them just has to share it with two listeners. <laughs> There's no stopping us, we'll be touring. <laughs> Despite the pandemic, <laughs> we're gonna bring it back. Actually, it's... the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This week we are doing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and what's the next one? Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Indeed. Yes, that is what we're doing. Both how, movies, both books. How batshit would it be if we were, like, moving in from both ends? <laughs> so we did, like, book one and movie, or movie one and movie eight, and then two and seven, and then this was, like, three and six for some odd reason? That would be... I mean, it would be a way to differentiate ourselves <laughs> in no sort of meaningful way, right. but it would be a way to do it. <laughs> I don't even know how you would keep track of that. Yeah. Well, what if we sandwiched it even more? So it was movie one and book seven, and then movie two and book six, and then we do all the way out. We get to movie seven and book one, but then we'd only have movie eight. Well, then we then just do to... all of Lord of the Rings and movie eight in one episode. <laughs> there we yes. go. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. I think this works. I, I All right, scratch what I said before. Scratch. <laughs> Cancel. Don't don't export any of those episodes. We'll start from the beginning. Uh, Guys, uh, I think we've already done the what's our relationship with Harry Potter sort yeah. of talks. Uh, we've just come to the place where now we're at uh, good Harry Potter. So it, it's we're at a nice place now because... Movie one and two, kind of rough. One, charming. Two, is rough. rough. Uh, not not specifically bad, just as like, I think two is where it's most clear that it's child actors and that there's some quality issues. I ended up liking the end of two way more than I remembered liking the end of two. But yeah. Yeah. Is there more, there's more good Harry Potter movie than there is bad Harry Potter movie, right? Like the only bad <laughs> Harry Potter movie is probably six, right? Just because of its retelling not not as yes. like the quality of a movie yes i would argue that there are there are many structural issues with harry potter movies and they do not make a lick of sense on their own people who are just movie fans who have never read the books 
I don't know how they even understand this story because it does it. Things stop stringing together correctly, and things do not have proper narrative structure in the movies. However, that doesn't make them bad necessarily. They're, it's just they're not. You know, it's not Citizen Kane or anything like that. I've never seen Citizen Kane. I should not compare things to it, but <laughs> it's it's not exactly a gold standard film. But they're not bad. I think Six is the only one where I take actual umbrage with it. It's quality. That's fair. It's just because it is, like, such a good book, and they, like, remove so many key components. Right, right. And it is very much... I mean, part of it I understand because the book is very much... The story of it is very book-based, but what are you to do? But that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire. Well, the reason I asked, sorry, I, I didn't really give a good segue here, is, like, I think this is the best movie, yes. and then a movie of maybe, like, middling quality. So I was, like, wondering, it's like, okay, well, if one and two is, like, one is charming, and then two is just kind of bad, like, are all these pairs going to have, like, 50-50? Um, but I, I guess not quite, like... I think seven and eight, but I might, I have a differing opinion on this because I think a lot of people don't like seven, but I think seven and eight have the most consistent quality in terms of pairs of movies. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that alone, just having one pair that works well together is like more good than bad. Right. But seven and eight were made in an era of production where the concept that they wouldn't be made, like Harry Potter had already made so much money at that point in time. It's kind of after three, like four, five, six, seven, and eight have a very consistent tone and quality to them. Uh, it's just six makes fundamental mistakes with the plot that make it suck. But the actual like production quality is equal to these adjacent movies. Three actually, I think, has the highest production quality. But yeah, oddly I, enough. Yeah, I, I mean, it just feels very magical, which I think we've talked about like, right. when we were watching this. But I think the thing is like, if a movie, this movie, I'm looking at Three's Wikipedia page, it costs $130 million to make. If they don't feel good production-wise, like, then it's an absolute failure. But, like, that aside, like, are they wow. movies? $130 million to make it, and they made $796.2 million. Honestly, the box office seems low to me. Like, this is Harry Potter. Like, how is it? Yeah, are they not that, But that box office movies? does not mean anything relative to the amount of money these movies people yeah. still buy these movies yeah. yeah exactly abc family alone has probably spent like 50 million dollars on each of these movies i'm curious if what by movie eight like what their budget versus box office is gonna be i think seven and eight were the highest grossing because like anything that's like an event like that like the end of a yeah People went to see eight, even if you hadn't seen the other ones, because it's like, well, it's an end of an era. I got to do it. Fucking psychopathic. Psychopaths, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's we, that's a pathology that I fundamentally do not understand. <laughs> um, but anyway, and if you're right, we've definitely done enough of our experience with. So I think we just dive in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go a little bit more abbreviated on the plot here. <laughs> just because I'm going to go scene by scene, right? Because we all know the story. It's tale as old as time, right? So first scene, Dursley's Aunt Marge visits, ends with Harry blowing up Aunt Marge after she's a huge bitch. She right? super That's, deserves it. Yeah. yeah. The whole scene. Thoughts on the scene. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, it's almost hard to, I'm like. I know. I, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off. 
immediate, instant change in the production quality of these movies. Yeah. Alfonso Cuaron immediately puts a stamp on the movie. Just like the camera style, the way it's shot, everything feels much more personal, much higher quality. Just a way better filmed movie, Truly. right? Yeah, it, um, it feels entirely different. Um, yeah. Also, the magic feels magical immediately right this. right like, and well I, I i think the best scene to hit that on is when we get to the leaky cauldron because mm-hmm. i did it in person too but i'm gonna say it again on this podcast but <laughs> right here the particular magic that seems very magical uh the way they shoot up marge inflating is fantastic it it's looks so, so good, good. It's, it's all practical that's why it's, it's not i feel CGI. like it would have truly sucked if it were the old director Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the old director has a certain quality that admittedly works when your main characters are 11 and 12. But I think this is the movie where they grow up enough where you kind of have to ignore the fact that they're supposed to be 13. Because Harry does not really look 13 in this movie. No. He looks like closer to 15 or 16, which is what he probably was at this point I was point just about time. to look up how old he was when he was... When well, this the was, other thing about it, too... He was born just, in 89, so this movie came out in 2004. He was pretty close to 13, then, when they produced, like, made the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it just gets... It starts to get, like, a year off, but a year in your teenage years huge. is, like, a lot. <laughs> no, for yeah, sure. exactly. I, I mean, but I think the other thing, too, is, like, it actually is, like, a distinct look and feel of the movie universe versus, like, the books. Yes, um, yes. Well, the saturation drops, too. Things are very not bright in these movies, yeah, <laughs> as they are in the first two movies. Um, Which is nice. But the, mag- yeah, the magic just looks better and is done better in this scene. Because the camera doesn't quite spike it as much. It's not just like, here's magic, we're all gonna look at the magic getting done because that's what this movie's about. It's like, no, let's follow the action of the scene. <laughs> yeah, that's um, very true. Yeah. I mean, maybe also... One of the better Harry Potter starts, like, with the Dursleys. Because after this, they all get pretty climactic. Like, I yes. I mean, I think book four, book four is maybe the last one because it goes to the Quidditch World Cup. But then, like, everything else is, like, practically a chase sequence yes. or, like, an escape sequence. Whereas this one is more just, yeah. like... That's true. Still kind of grounded in, I guess, like, a muggle reality. And the stakes right. aren't that high. So it just, it's good. It has a good payoff. Right. And if we briefly switch over to the book, this is the last time she's, like, brief with the pre-Hogwarts yeah, stuff. Yeah, seriously. Because four, it's like, we're, we're not at ha- Hogwarts until a quarter of the way through the book. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, the book's also, like, double in size after this, so. Exactly. So this is the last, like, very approachable book. That's true. But it, it's... There, the quality of her writing markedly increases, but the quantity does not increase. So I think three has a very good like ratio of just like length of book to actual quality of writing. Anyways, Marge is inflated. She floats out the door. Harry leaves. Runs out with all his shit. Runs out into the street. Sees a big dog. He's scared of the big dog. It's a scary dog. Then a bus shows up. <laughs> But it's not just any regular bus, it's the kooky bus, because this is wizard shit. So he gets on the night bus. The attendant and the driver at the night bus are terrible at their jobs, frankly. Frightening to a child who's clearly out in the middle of the street in the middle of the night. There's a very racist shrunken head that I'm not a fan of. Yep. 
don't know why we needed to add that. Yeah, but definitely did not add anything to the movie and was definitely not in the books and was unnecessary. So why does yes. a night bus need to exist in the wizarding world? Real, this is a very solid question, Matt. There's, very a, solid there's no question. need for public transit. <laughs> yes, yes. This hey, is an... That sounds like a privileged thing to say, Matt. You, you literally have the flu powder network, which is public transit. Okay, what if you don't have a... What if you don't have a fireplace in your house next question broomstick apparate. what if you broomsticks aren't free she's expensive next one are they that expensive or are the good yeah. ones expensive the good ones are expensive but anyways next one also broomsticks imagine taking your luggage on a broomstick next one they do that they yeah. literally do that but like it's every it's other hard movie it's hard also they can shrink anything they could put they everything in a purse like in a little bag but that purse is expensive but broomsticks also, like, you don't want everyone flying around on broomsticks because then the muggles are going to fucking notice. They kind of play fast and loose with that. There's also a bus that's apparently invisible that drives literally... Oh, it's got a bus. You can put a stealth generator on a bus. Yeah. All right, next option is apparition. That means you'd have to be good at magic. What if you're just, like, a shitty fuck... Which I'm assuming... Well, as you yeah. take the regular bus. That's all I'm saying. If you're so bad at magic... You can't do any well, of those things. Magic, you can't take a regular bus to a magical place. You can't be like, bring me to the Leaky Cauldron. All the magical cauldron. places exist like in the... Re- they're like, oh, take me to the Leaky Cauldron. They drop them off at a real place. It's not like it drives into the building. Yeah. I'm just saying, there's well, no need for this that, bus But then there. you hit on the fact that wizards are too grossly incompetent to interact with anything muggle-related. So you can't take the real bus. But they know what buses are, which is like... That is a problem. Yeah, I, I do. I don't disagree with the concept that the, the night bus has holes. It doesn't make sense. Like, why? Yeah, does I don't know it why exist? I'm defending it. Like, this scene bothers me. They and take the fact trains. That this, the fact that this exists bothers me, and I also don't like how she abuses this, the night bus itself, like, and just kind of throws it into the story whenever necessary, but then like discards it for the rest of the books. It just really bothers me. Yes, this book has two very important plot devices that are never used again. The night bus being one of them, which was safe enough in this book, but not safe enough in the many subsequent books that he needs to leave the Dursleys. Right. Fine. Whatever. Uh, The night bus... Also, why is the night bus so whimsical, but the Hogwarts Express is so normal? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I, I... Automation neither needs to be wild as shit or normal and you need to pick a tone <laughs> like yeah like the the only wild thing on the hogwarts express is literally their candy that's not even wild that's just how candy exists in the yeah like yeah, that's just concession the only that's the their only magical thing rather is just that you know what i mean there's it nothing else magical so about much funnier if she's like candy from the trolley it's a fucking like <laughs> snickers the cookies that they always have on the trains like the uh famous amos cookies oh, like yeah. one of those microwaved hamburgers <laughs> it's just like <laughs> a hot dog with like a, a packet of mustard with it i understand that it, these are kids books and there doesn't need to be like continuity or like a payoff like something could just exist for 10 pages of book and it'd be like yep that was fun, it wasn't it? It seems like a waste to not use a night bus. But again. yeah, it's just like <laughs> the world building for the actual wizarding world could be so much better. Like there could be a reason why the night bus exists and not just like a convenient plot device. Yeah. It's not well, even that yeah. convenient. Also, is there only one night bus? That's the other thing. Like, It yeah, appears. Seemingly. In all? Yeah. I mean. Well, this can... is wizarding London. So This is wizarding Britain. Like the, the, we don't know 
the Durmstrike kits might have some sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know, whimsical tube of some sort, or, uh... Yeah, I'm curious if, like, it's, uh... If a it's rickshaw, just... a particularly fantastical rickshaw of some sort. And, like, does that bus just run forever, and there's just one driver and one assistant? It's like, they can't work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time. I know, it kind of looks like Earl is working. 24-7, Yeah, that, the thing they don't say in the books, this is actually, they released it on Pottermore, is that Earl is, canonically, he's 22 years old, but he's just been going 24 hours a day for so long, his body has deteriorated. Essentially, they took him out of Hogwarts, they shoved him in this bus, and they say, if you ever stop moving, you're gonna die. It's like, it's a bit of a speed situation. He can stop to pick up people, but he can't stop. Anyway, ever. they... On this stupid bus that doesn't exist, the guy, what's the attendant's name? Anyway. Ern? Stan? Uh, well, it's the, the, the guy talking to him is Stan Shumpik. Yes, yeah, Stan. Shumpik, who is important in the books, but is not in the movies. But yeah. doesn't recognize Harry? Yes, doesn't recognize no... the most famous. But he's not quite as famous here. It's like fourth year on where he's like, pretty it's fucked like you're i guess you're he superstar. hasn't been in like the newspaper yet as like an adult yeah. like exactly like i'm assuming if i'm hogwarts pr i really downplay both the voldemort incident and the chamber of sequence secrets incident oh i think okay the other thing i wanted to that i highlighted from my reading of the books was um that at the beginning of the movie, Harry's reading a new uh, newspaper article and sees Ron and his family. This is when they went to Egypt, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you could see Scabbers in the photo. And the other thing I thought was interesting was, like, I, I highlighted this, though the black and white picture didn't show it with, with flaming red hair. And I'm like, these are fucking wizards, and it's the 90s, and they still haven't figured out colored pictures? Wizards are dumb. They can do moving pictures, but they can't do colored moving pictures. No, I mean, they could do moving portraits. I, I just think the newspaper for production quality is black and white. Ugh, it seems like a waste. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yes, this is when we see Scabbard. Like, I feel like she specifically calls out that Scabbard Oh, yeah, I mean, because like it's that. important that the, right. Plot point. Picture, the picture is the reason why Sirius breaks out of jail. Right, ultimately. exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I so they that. do mention that, and they do mention it in the movie. Though it is another thing where they very much downplay things that are, like, super important in the books. Of yeah. course, there's, just, there's things that just don't work in the books and the movie, like, vice yeah. versa. But anyways, Harry gets on the night bus. He has a kooky ride. The whole ride itself is very weird, and it's also one of those... It's like... You could very much see the line from this to the fourth movie where it's like, well, we need to add like a cool scene here. So like instead of just being on a bus and having a conversation, it's going to be all wild and old lady's almost going to die. The end. We, we get to the leaky cauldron. Uh, when we get to the leaky cauldron, it turns out Harry's arrival is expected and he meets the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge. Uh, and he expects to be expelled from Hogwarts, but instead Cornelius Fudge is like, yo, no B, dude. Like, it's fine. Everything's cool. We deflated your aunt. Erased her memories. You get to chill here for a while. I got all your shit, by the way. You got a room. Hey, Harry, remember you're famous, kid. This, the rule about underage magic is just, like, so flexible. Like, do other people deal with this issue? No, right? It's just, like, it's always Harry. Yes. Well, I mean, everything is always Harry. This is what the books are about, right? But 
Uh, there's some very compelling evidence that this is like a, a form of discrimination against Muggleborns. Because you cannot detect who did magic, just that magic was done. Theoretically, purebloods can do magic in their own homes. Right. Because their parents are there. So you could always just say like, oh no, it's just my dad doing magic, not me. Yeah, that's why I don't uh, really get why Molly Weasley is always such a stickler. I mean, I guess it's because she's a good person, but like she's such a stickler about them not using magic. And it's like, just fucking let them practice their magic. Jesus Christ. If anything... Shouldn't they be practicing it while they're in front of other wizards who can help them with their shit? They go yes. they go to school yeah, and then are they also not allowed to use magic like anywhere in Hogwarts unless they're in class? Like, Every wizarding parent would be like the parents who are like, well, we'd rather you do it inside the house <laughs> than open the liquor cabinet. <laughs> well, in reality, I think... If we if we extended this to the real world, what would happen is, like, purebloods and such would be able to afford the wizarding version of fucking Kumon. And all these kids would go and learn magic at, like, these sanctions. They might be off the books, but they would be, like, tutors teaching them. So kids like Draco Malfoy would show up at, like, a second year level. And then Hermione, Harry, and the lot would be struggling to get up there. And then, Ro- I mean, Molly Weasley has to take care of... At any given time, upwards of, like, four or five kids, right? By the time it's Ron and Ginny, yeah, she has two kids at home and the rest are at Hogwarts. But, like, I don't think she has a ton of time to be, like, teaching her kids all this extra magic. And Despite the fact that her being poor makes no sense in the context of people having magic, she is poor and therefore could not afford. Is it, like, a safety thing? Like, what's even the point of the rule? Uh, maybe a safety thing. I mean, if you get, like, expanded universe and you think, like, oh, yeah, sometimes when kids learn magic and they go through a traumatic event, they turn into Obscurials eventually. <laughs> like, maybe. But I, I don't think it's that well thought out. It's not, like, the world building's not that sick. She's just like, well, the story starts at 11 years of age, so there has to be a reason why nobody was doing magic until 11 years of age. So that this is the reason. It just seems silly. It seems, like, similar to, it should be, the rules should be similar to driving, right? Like, you get a permit... So let's say going to Hogwarts is your magic permit and you now have a wand and you can use it just like you could drive a car if you wanted to, but you just need adult supervision. That yeah, should literally be, horrible be it. at magic because they like stop school in like May. And it's so dumb yes. that they also can't like, um, like, mo- like they really truly can't monitor who's using magic when. And it's like, oh, it's just like, we know it's in this vicinity. And it's like, so just let him fucking do it. Well, and the fact of the matter is, everybody is terrible at magic. Like, yeah. we see Dumbledore, we see Voldemort, but there is no direct line between where, even Hermione, let's say, Hermione, best of all characters. There is no direct line between Hermione and Dumbledore except years of self-study, essentially. That's it. Like, you just have to be like, okay, I, I'm done with Hogwarts. Now I'm going to continue to learn magic for my own purposes. But the the magical education you walk out with out of Hogwarts with is wildly mediocre. It's so mediocre. It's wild. And it's just like, imagine how much better the wizarding community could be if they just let underage wizards practice. practice That's what I'm saying. Outside of school. Just like yes. self And once again, this podcast is about dunking on the educational rigor of Hogwarts. <laughs> It's a garbage institution. Like, everyone talks about how much they want to go to Hogwarts, and it's like... I don't think I'd want to go. I'd be like, mm, I'll homeschool, well, thanks. And then in the context of the books, Hogwarts is great. So what the fuck are they learning a derm string? How to be, I don't know, like Nazi adjacent, I guess. 
But yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Either way, we've gotten several scenes into this movie once again. <laughs> we're, we're in the leaky cauldron. Harry gets a room. He has a very scary book. We'll learn more about the scary book later. He meets up with Rod and Hermione. Turns out they're already here. And he meets the rest of the Weasleys who are at the Leaky Cauldron and staying there until they go to Hogwarts as well. Uh, Harry catches up with Ron and Hermione. They talk a little bit about their vacation. Uh, these a series of amazing scenes. And this is where I talk about like the world being more magical. And Matt, to Matt's point from earlier... Uh, there's so much background magic going on in these scenes that the characters are not just, like, staring at and paying attention to. Uh, I've heard the criticism that the Harry Potter movies are full of ooing and eyeing, where it's like, look at how cool this is, look at how cool this is. And this is the movie that does it kind of the least in these early movies. They go back to doing it in the fourth movie, but in the third movie, at least, they're like, okay, we're not, like, these people live in a magical world, but they're not going to spend all the time just staring at magical shit being like, how cool is that, right? Although Um, I am always surprised that, like, Harry and Hermione sort of should be doing that still. Well, yes, this is the thing. Because they only get exposed to magic at Hogwarts, and then they go home, and then they aren't exposed to any magic. So you'd think that when they go to the Leaky Cauldron still, I mean, they're only three years, two years into it at this point, you'd think they'd be like, damn, this is so cool, I'm going to watch that broom sweep. You know what I mean? Yes. At least for a hot second. Like, they don't need to focus on it, but... Harry especially, Hermione is, like, so versed in magical shit. Yeah, she probably, like, knows the theory behind it, so it's fine. But, like, Harry doesn't study, and he's not a very good student, so he should be, like, blown away by the shit. But at the same time, Hogwarts is so insanely magical, like... Yeah. The whole place is like, yes, just like yes. constant magic happenings that I could see being like not really. It's like surprised if I spend, but yes, so many months of the year in fucking Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, and then I leave and I see a Roomba. I'm not gonna be that impressed. Like, <laughs> like cool. I know elves, so this is like fine. Um, there the my favorite like shot production quality scene in this movie is there's a there's a pseudo one shot where uh mr weasley is explaining Sirius black to harry and they move around the leaky cauldron and they're talking and it's all done in uh, in one continuous take and it's so good it's, it's good. so good yeah it's very well done it's very well acted honestly like the they it's probably the best showing that Mr. Weasley gets in these movies, yeah. which is a shame because that they really could have done him more justice in the fifth book where he gets like, I mean, brutally injured, but they don't do that in the movies, whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 a very good scene, well shot, well composed. But essentially we get a bunch of like exposition about like, oh, Sirius Black is a bad guy. And at the end of it, Mr. Weasley's like, hey, don't go looking for him. But Harry's like, why the fuck would I do that? <laughs> Meaning, of course, he is going to do that. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. Oh, my goodness. How dare no. you accuse me? Me, Harry that? Potter? Why, I hate adventure. <laughs> and I certainly refuse the call to it. So the whole point of this book and movie is that Sirius Black is assumed to be a confidant for Voldemort and sold... Harry's parents. A pal and a confidant. Yeah. Down, down river. Right? Like, he's yes. like, would anyone believe this? Like, really? Like, er, like Sirius is like one of the like most trusted people in 
like the resistance against Voldemort. But was he? I guess. There is the, the But you also have to think this... of the like people are their memories are tainted of Sirius from at least the people that went to school with him. What a douchebag he was at school because he was a douchebag at school. So it was James. So then though. you yeah, true. And then, but then you think like imagine the jock at your school that used to tease you and you'd be like, "Man, I hate this guy." And then he grows up and you hear a story that he's actually a bad person and you'd be like, "Yeah, I believe it." But like who does it's surprising does that Peter Lupin Pettig- doesn't believe it. Or that Lupin does believe it. Does you know what I mean? Pettigrew... But Pettigrew fakes his own death. So, like, who would have convinced people that Sirius did this is what I'm kind of confused by. Well, the thing is, Sirius already kind of convinced everybody that he did it by accident. Because they told everybody that he's the secret keeper. So by, like, pure, the facts of the matter is he must have done it. Because otherwise there's nobody else. Because he was the secret keeper. No one knew Pettigrew was the secret keeper. And now Pettigrew is dead. So there's no way to verify that, right? Mm -hmm. So Sirius is just like, I don't know, you have to be the person. And Sirius has gone fucking insane. Because Pettigrew blew himself up and killed a bunch of people in front of him. So Sirius does not advocate for himself. And then he goes in front of Barty Crouch Sr. who's not holding trials. Barty Crouch Sr. is just like, Death Eater, go to jail, out of here, right? So there's no trial. There's no conviction. Most average people don't know that um, about the Secret Keeper shit, right? But just by the pure facts of it, it's like once you send Sirius to jail for betraying James and Lily Potter, people will make up the narrative afterwards, as we see in real life all time. It's just like, oh, well, he must have been guilty. He's in jail for it, mm. right? But and like, to justify a prison system like Azkaban, which is wildly fucked and super unethical, these people must be pretty deluded. But <laughs> like, Man, imagine how different the story would be if Sirius were just a cop and he were wearing a body cam and they released the footage of Pettigrew dying. They'd be like, I don't see what's wrong here. You're free to go, sir. This is what I'm saying. Wizards need to wear body caps. <laughs> I've been I'm saying, saying that from it's day not one. Not like Sirius was the only one in on the secret keeper plot, right? Like, no, it was. It was Sirius, James, Lily, and Peter were the only people who knew. Wasn't who it Dumbledore? Se- no, Dumbledore doesn't know that Pettigrew is a secret keeper. He well, he must know that there's a secret keeper. He knows that there is a secret keeper, okay. and he knows he knows that it is Sirius Black. And the, the leading months up to their death, he they know somebody is betraying them. So they're all suspicious of each other beforehand. Keep in mind, they've been best friends for with Lupin for many, many years. And they still think he could be the traitor because he's a werewolf. These people are not good people, no. <laughs> really. This is also when I, and I know she probably hadn't thought of it yet because this doesn't come up until I think book six. But... This is what I think, like, oh, well, the easy way around the secret keeper bullshit is doing the unbreakable vow. Like, just make a fucking unbreakable vow, and then you could avoid most of this bullshit of, like, ooh, who did it? Ooh, who was it? It's like, how do we not have records? How is there not, like, a wizarding record of if you're a secret keeper? Even, like, obviously you can't say it, but then as soon as you break that secret or you betray that, like, it should be somewhere recorded. I I feel like... You're missing the definition of secret, Colleen. 
You can't record who secret keepers are. That's a terrible secret. Well, no, but like you can. Uh, so for there's example, a magical system. It's a magical system, that and could... for for some reason you can you know cast a spell, and then you can cast a spell on somebody else's wand to find out what their last fucking spell was, and like see all the spells that they've cast previously. Why isn't there something like this for a secret keeper? Or just like well, a secret keeper, higher level magic. Okay, you can't just cast detect magic out of like a fucking ninth level spell and be like, "Cool, I know all your shit now." It's like so the whole point of the magic is to obfuscate a person. So therefore, the magic, like optimally designed, would not let you know that you cast it as well. It's like you want your secret keeper to be as secret as possible. Now, why didn't they then make an unbreakable vow? Like, by the way, make an unbreakable vow that you won't give this secret exactly. to Voldemort. <laughs> Is like kind of stupid. There's no in-universe justification for it. I think I think the headcanon for it is just unbreakable vows have to cost something. They don't talk about it in the books, but there has to be like something important that you give up to cast an unbreakable vow. Like a portion of your magical ability is like tied up in constantly maintaining this vow or something like that. Because otherwise, people would use that shit. All the time. Just make a hey, more... you gonna take out the garbage later? Make it a breakable vow. <laughs> Just make a more auditable system. Yes. If you're gonna trust your life with this thing, where it's not something that you can figure out in the middle of what's happening. If somebody's keeping a secret and they haven't divulged the secret yet, like obviously make it so that you can't detect that. But if they do break it, there's a there's a trace somewhere where you sure. can detect it. Also, what Admittedly, spell would I'll... leave behind just a finger? Yeah. A fifth, a fifth year girl makes a piece of parchment that horribly scars you if you betray a vow. <laughs> That's right. She does that to Marietta Edgecombe. Right. But somehow these grown ass adults are like, yeah, we trust Peter. He's a cool guy. I know we know that there is a traitor in the group. And we think it might be Remus Lupin, the guy we've been best friends with for many, many years. But Peter Pettigrew, a man who literally turns into a rat stone cold he's perfect <laughs> yeah i trust him with my life literally and the life of my child <laughs> it makes no goddamn sense is all i'm saying yes yeah sorry tangent it's not ta- it, we're getting we're, we're circling around no no this is stuff. like it, it'll cut down on this conversation later yeah this is this is also revealed. like i mean after book four there's no other villains besides Voldemort. So you, you got to talk about like Sirius basically being the villain of this book. I guess. And Peter actually being the yeah. villain of this book. And then yeah. it's yeah. like Mad Eye. Who is it in book four, would you say? I guess. I, I would argue Barty Crouch Jr. is one of the best villains in the series. Yeah. yeah. But we'll get to that when we talk about that movie. Anyways, we, we cut hard cut from Why Would I Hunt Down Sirius Black to the train to Hogwarts. The trio get in a compartment. There's an old homeless man in that compartment. I don't know how he got on the train. That shouldn't be allowed. Why is the professor ticket? taking the train? First time it's happened in two years. Only time it'll happen in seven years. But it's fine. Professor's on the train. Take the night bus. Uh, but again, Rebus Lupin, nebulously poor in a world in which you can make so many things with magic fine he's a werewolf people don't like him even his friends were racist against him that's fine he's on the train uh harry breaks down he tells uh or he tells everything about what he learned about sirius to ron and hermione uh but ron and hermione are like oh that's crazy so you think he's gonna come after you and harry's like i don't know yeah it seems likely anyways it gets very cold on the train 
and then they get to Hogwarts. Nothing happens. No, it gets very cold <laughs> on the train. They're attacked by Dementors. Uh, Harry passes out like a bitch, and then the old homeless man he bursts up and he gets the he scares the Dementor away. Uh, and then he gives the boy chocolate. And it's like I don't know if you should accept chocolate from this homeless man, but okay. <laughs> he's a very useful homeless man. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice guy. You know, hey, it's fine. It's fine. Um, Anyways, that's our first encounter with the Dementors. We get to Hogwarts after that. Good scene. I feel like the Dementors were what I thought they would be. Like, visually. Yeah, they're pretty terrifying It it checked out. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like when I was reading, I was like, man, these sound really spooky. If anything, it was more scary in the movies than I thought it was going to be. Because I was like, oh, it'll just be like a big black cloak. Like, they won't make it actually scary. But they're actually pretty scary. And they're like gross little hands and stuff. Yeah, there's some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff with the Dementors, too, of, like, how they got that floaty look, and there's different, like, practical looks they tried with the Dementors. It's very interesting. By the fifth movie, they're all CG. But, at least in this movie, they have sort of a more interesting look to them that I think... Eh, the fifth movie, it looks fine. I'm, I'm not upset with what direction they went with them, but I think in this movie, they, they feel more ethereal than they do by the fifth movie. Well, they need to be, like... They're really essential in this movie. Like, I know in the fifth movie there's also a Dementor attack, but, like, this is kind of, like, his main magical triumph is getting over the Dementors in this book. So, like, they gotta gotta look good on screen. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So they they get to Hogwarts. Uh, During the opening speech, Dumbledore announces that the Dementors will be here at Hogwarts. And he says some cryptic and terrifying shit. As always, standard Dumbledore shit. He's like, hey, these Dementors, they're they're here to guard you, but they will kill you. So don't fuck around. Like, <laughs> they don't just kill you, they suck out your soul. And... Right, right. And again, I mean, I've been saying this from day one, but why do these Dementors not have body cams? I'm telling you, by the fifth movie, we have some fucking body cams on those fucking Dementors. We know exactly what went down on Little Wing. Also, right? you employ... A spirit that is easily corruptible because it's so hungry for souls. Yeah. That yeah. Will Matt, flip. I, you know, I think it's too far to say that all Dementors are bad, okay? That's like, Just that's like a, a slippery slope. Bad apples. Adab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few bad apples, but most Dementors, you know, they're good. Um, Literally, <laughs> a swarm the only thing- of them attacks in this movie. Yeah. Uh, during this opening speech we also find out that Hagrid will be the care for magical creatures teacher Um, it's a bad it's a bad idea it's a bad idea yeah I kind of feel bad for Hagrid throughout these movies because like he's so passionate about it but it's like dude just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean you're a good teacher yeah this is another thing that is very much like a book plot that is only middlingly in the movies, but the plot of Harry, Ron, and Hermione not liking care for magical creatures, and that, like, evolving over the course of many years until they eventually do not take his class in the sixth book, is a is a great, like, subplot, and it's very meaningful, and like, yeah, Hagrid's not very good at teaching, because Dumbledore has the wackest hiring processes in the world. Truly. Also, in universe, Dumbledore friends with the man who wrote Fantastic Beats Beasts of Where to Find Him. 
could I mean I know Newt, Newt Scamander would also not be a good teacher, but Hagrid versus Newt Scamander, I don't know. Yeah, I don't so, know. Someone who's devoted their life to studying creatures versus someone who just likes to collect them. Yes, and has lived at your castle for many, many years. And doesn't even have a formal education. Yes, does not have the wizarding equivalent of a GED, which he should be allowed to have since he was exonerated from his crimes. Right. There should have been a plot. See, this is the Hagrid plot line I'm wanting for, where Hagrid gets his fucking GED. That's what I want. That would be good. I would really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, That, That. Also, Hagrid was. Pardon for his non-crime when? Like, back in the day? Or, like, was no, it... at the end of the last book when they're like, oh, shit, you know what, we goofed. It wasn't a spider, which we should have known because... Well, it didn't have any of the effects right. of an acromantula. Right. We could have, but... again, asked Newt Scamander, my friend, who would have been like, no, acromantulas don't do that. I just, I guess I just don't understand why... I guess Dumbledore never thought it was... Dumbledore always knew it was... Right, yes, no, the entire time, up until the second book, so most of Hagrid's life, he is technically a convicted felon. I just, okay, it just, it's dumb to me that people would be fine with Hagrid, who's already there, already racist against him because he's half giant, right? But, or they suspect he is, I guess nobody really knows for sure, but they're already like racist against him as it is, and then they just let him be... Like work at Hogwarts, like nobody's throwing a fit about that. Meanwhile, Lupin gets hired, and everyone's throwing a fucking hissy fit when they find out he's a like like Lupin's not a convicted felon. Hagrid is. You wouldn't want that. People wouldn't want that around their children. But by the time Hagrid is a teacher, he's exonerated. Well, yeah. The entire time before that, he's working as a janitor, and people are not like. I'm sure people were like, hey, fuck this guy. But it's like, he works as the gr- care the groundskeeper. But if you're he doesn't a, actually... a convicted felon who's convicted of setting a monster loose upon a school... Hey, accidentally. Still, it, yeah, In the context of the story. That's equivalent to like hiring a janitor who's a pedophile. You know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, it's a little different. They're going to attack. Either way, your children are going to be scarred and something terrible is going to happen to them. It's like it's like hiring, like, if a, a kid brought a gun to school to show his friends. He's like, oh, look, my dad's gun. And then it accidentally went off and killed somebody. And then many years later, you hired that kid as a janitor. That is like, okay, well, I mean, you know, he's clearly showed bad decision making skills in the past, but he's he's a janitor. So but they didn't it's know not the it end was of the accidental. World. Now, what's weirder is they that when Hagrid loosed a monster on the castle, no, they do. They, in the context of the story, they're like, even that's what Tom Riddle frames him for. He says, like, you must have accidentally let the spider kill oh. people. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Definitely not equivalent to a pedophile then. No, it's not. It's not quite the pedophile. It's still poor decision making skills. So I'm sure Dumbledore also... did get flack for it. Goddamn, this guy's had his whole life ruined. He's like sixty. That's what I'm saying. That's why Hagrid gets a GED is a better plot line. I need a I need a backstory on Hagrid too, because like what the fuck was Hagrid hasn't been living at the castle since Yes, he has. He has, like, but it's, Dumbledore it, wasn't the headmaster. Hagrid's an orphan, because his dad dies in his first year of Hogwarts or right, something like but that. But Dumbledore wasn't headmaster while the whole 
Chamber of Secrets. Oh, that's happen. true. There might have been a gap there. Yeah, I want a backstory on what what happened to Haggard before Dumbledore's headmaster. Anyway, let he's him like live way there. too cool. My point is that he's like way too chill with having his whole life ruined because of yes. fucking Voldemort. And he could literally be like, hey, remember when Voldemort was the person who turned me in and ruined my life? And then he became the worst person in history. Yeah, wouldn't they have exonerated him much earlier? <laughs> I, I, Based on what we know about the wizarding judicial system, I imagine they don't have a robust appeals process. <laughs> this is all I'm saying. <laughs> like, I don't think Hagrid was like, hey, look, this Didn't is that. Didn't they like, send him to fucking Azkaban in the last they book? They sent a man to Azkaban right off the bat. Yeah, it's fucked. It's fine. No, I mean, He's the wizarding justice chill. system is bad, dude. He is too fucking... Hagrid is in way higher spirits than he is. He doesn't need to be. He, he yeah. sh- All right. He should... He should be... Col- he should be getting fucking... The ministry well, to settle, and he gets like billions a... of galleons, and he's like, yeah, I bought all the dragons, and fuck you guys. <laughs> and I burnt the fucking ministry to the ground. Yeah. Dude deserves it. He's too pure of heart. Him and serious, man. All right, all right. So we Hagrid is care of magical creatures yeah. teacher, and then so we, we go to cut, our first cut to, to his first for, class. Yes, uh, it's a pretty good class, yeah. all things considered. I mean, given yeah, I I think the hippogriff lesson works. I think this is a thing that people point out that like maybe it's too dangerous, but like they literally put a deadly creature in the castle in the first book. Like, where the kids are. Yeah. This is a supervised exposure to a creature that is dangerous, and Hagrid spreads a while being like, hey, don't fuck with hippogriffs. Like, hippogriffs are proud. Don't fuck with hippogriffs. And there's the cool flying scene. It's another scene that's longer because it's a movie, and so we have to show Harry flying around. It's better than our last flying scene of the movie. That's but, for sure. Um, <laughs> Harry flies around the castle, comes back. Of course, Harry's good with hippogriffs. Draco Malfoy is an asshole and gets, you know, Draco Malfoy acts like a bitch and gets slapped like a bitch. This is a, a school that punishes kids by sending them into a forest filled with deadly creatures. Yeah, and then they get mad that a class had a slightly dangerous. dangerous creature a class about dealing with dangerous creatures had exposure to a dangerous creature if it was anybody other than draco malfoy it wouldn't be a plot point but essentially lucius malfoy is just such a big douchebag that he will ruin hagrid's life just for the fuck of it you know just just because he's he's an asshole and he can and he could he could flex on the board of governors now why lucius malfoy's standing with the board of governors wasn't fundamentally compromised at the end of the second book i don't understand right cuz at the end of the second book dumbledore is like oh it turns out a lot of the board of the governors uh thought that you had threatened them isn't that weird <laughs> and and there's no consequences. And they're just that. like, yeah, that's crazy. Crazy, right? Yeah, wild. Um, so the other thing about this scene that really gets me whenever I watch this movie is like, what the fuck is going on with the dress code at Hogwarts yeah, this it's year? Yeah, such, it's such an aesthetic. Does no one have just clip-on ties? Why are they all tying? The, like, you'll see a tie that goes to somebody's nipples. And like, I just don't understand what the Pretty choice sure there Sheamus was. sure Seamus has a tie that's like three feet wide that yeah. he's wearing. Yeah. It's definitely a stylistic choice for the new director that I was like, that's interesting. And then later, don't they just wear normal clothes in other movies to class? 
With their robes over it? No, I think they always have like a uniform on when they're at Hogwarts, but... So they must change their outfits a lot, because they're not walking around. Like, sometimes they'll walk around school not wearing their robes. Yeah, I know. Yes, that is also like a a directorial choice. I think in the books, they're always pretty much rocking Hogwarts robes. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And then you're like, all right, I see the size of their trunks that they're packing all their clothes in. They wouldn't have enough to change three times a day. I don't know. There's magic laundry, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, house elves. But the tie thing, though. You're magical. There's got to be a fucking spell that you can point at your tie and it will tie for you perfectly. You don't even have to learn how to do it. But, like, kids like not adhering to the uniform. Like, I think that's... With a three-foot-wide, like, tie? It looks so dumb. Hey, man. That's kids. That's kids for you. Now, also, they've been at this school for two years, so you feel like they probably would have just learned how to tie a tie and that amount of time. That's what I'm saying. But there you go. Yeah, there's there's some pretty big costuming changes in this movie, too, yeah. because he's just going for, like, they look like kids. Right. You know, they look like real-ass kids sometimes. After this, let's see, where do we go? Uh, Draco exaggerates his injuries, um, and he does this throughout the movie, and it eventually leads to Buckby getting sentenced to death. Is this when we get just... to, my father will hear about this, or is that in a different... Or... Yeah, he'll probably he probably says that. There's a good chance, yeah, that he drops. Yeah, they really make Draco Malfoy into much more of a whiny idiot in the movies than they do in the books. Yeah, Uh, they play him for comedic value, and it's part of why the sixth movie sucks so much. Is they spend multiple movies compromising Draco Malfoy, and then by the sixth movie, he's like. He's a non-entity, and they're like, oh, this movie's partially about him. And you're like, I don't care. He's such a little whip. Like, who cares about Draco? <laughs> yeah. Very true. Uh, yes. So, back in the castle, uh, the fat lady's portrait is found slashed up. Uh, they find her eventually, and she tells them that Sirius Black has entered the castle. Well, I have all the Dementors around. Yeah. Dementors did nothing. I mean, the Dementors as a security option don't make sense, right? Because Sirius Black escaped from Azkaban. Which is all Dementors. Clearly he could get past Dementors. just turning into an animal makes you undetectable in the magic world. And the wild part about the whole turning into an animal makes you undetectable is that, like, what... And, okay, so when James and and Lupin and them were all in school and they all learned how to turn into these animals, they make it seem, like, that alone having four people, I guess three people, because the one's not a choice, but three people that are unregistered, what's the word? Animagus. Animagus, thank you. They're all unregistered and they just, like, learned how to do this and they had no problem doing this while they were teenagers in school. Makes it seem like it's so... It would be so easy in that you just have thousands of these people running around able to turn into these animals. You know what I mean? It makes no sense that there's like three Animagus in... In one year. Well, that's, well, it's like in the whole universe that we hear about, except McGonagall, I guess, four. In the context of these stories, particularly this book, James and Sirius, at the very least, and I guess potentially Peter, are exceptional wizards exceptionally good like way beyond anybody else but like three... the marauders map the marauders map was made by them 
They're yeah. better than anybody we meet in any of the books. They're better than Hermione in her seventh year. They made the Marauders map while they were at Hogwarts. They manipulated the magics of Hogwarts like an ancient institution and made an incredibly powerful piece of Arcana. <laughs> so powerful that she spends the next like four books justifying why Harry is not using it at any given time. Yeah, it's yeah. literally world-breaking. That's the that. thing that yeah. I truly... It just bothers me so much that it's like, oh, I'm supposed to believe that these three wizards were just somehow s- literally three in a bajillion and were somehow all at school at the same time and were somehow all friends and were somehow... Like, how would... I just... It just bothers it me. It doesn't particularly track. You're it, not It really doesn't... I, th- I think it does. I do. I, I think it's just prohibitively difficult to learn how to be an animagus so most people don't do it because in the context of this universe wizards are lazy and they don't care about things think about actually think about playing an instrument anybody could technically learn how to play an instrument but most people do not know how to play an instrument but this is so useful in universe that like is it so useful in universe or are we just exposed to the situations in which it is very useful any any socially awkward human being that was a wizard would be like, oh, I could just become an animal to get out of any situation where I don't want to deal with people. Fuck, everyone would want to be But they an also animus. demonstrate that it makes you, like, undetectable, basically. Yeah, like, everyone would want to be this. Everyone would want to be this. Every bad guy th- in the Harry Potter universe would be a fucking anime. But this is the thing. Your well, The Harry Potter universe is not our universe. Everybody in that universe should be way more curious about magic. They should all know way more magic, but they don't. So if they don't know all the magic, other magic that's very useful, it makes sense that they would not know how to be an anime. It just feels so, it feels wild to me that like, out of this entire magical universe, at least in London, let's just call it that, like, there's like a, a small handful of wizards that are good at what they do and interested in magic. Like, what... Just the rest of the population. Like, I know that not everyone can be the best of the best, but, like, it seems like, statistically speaking, you'd have more people that were more interested in magic and better at magic. Yeah, I think you have a very skewed perception of the real world. Because I think there are a lot of really interesting things in the real world that most people do not care about at all, either. That's like, I, that's realistic. That but, people would have, like, oh, there's all these things that are really, really interesting that people just frequently ignore and don't care about i i I get that perception or that perspective where you're like yeah this is interesting but like people don't invest their time in it being an animagus is i think directly useful in universe like you could all turn into like birds and be like okay that's my mode of transportation yeah i don't need a broomstick i could just be a fucking bird if you're pretty much undetectable like people are conniving and evil in this universe all the evil wizards would be like able to turn into bugs and anybody who had any ambition to do anything like voldemort and his death eaters it does not make sense why there's not a bunch of anime guys yes it doesn't make sense why the order of the phoenix Like, a bunch of them are not anime guy. There's also something to be said for, I think a lot of people can't do it. Yeah, I think that is, like, the headcanon you apply, which is, like, it it, it seems wild There's a whole class about it, isn't it? Like, isn't that... No. Oh, no? No. No, no, no. It's just for other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nobody... They don't teach how to be an animagus at Hogwarts. Gotcha. They just mention it. The... I think... Headcanon. This is not said in the books. You have to think, it takes a prohibitively long amount of time to learn. 
And then at the end of that, you might learn that you can't do it. So if you think like, oh, it takes like a year to get good at it and get good enough at Transfiguration, you have to have be like Newt level Transfiguration and then get good enough at this. And then at the end of that, you might learn one, that you can't do it or two, that your inherent form that you have no control over is a fucking rat. So <laughs> you might not do it. It's like people are like, oh, well, I'll, I'll go through all this work. I have to be really good at Transfiguration. Then I get there and I find out that I can't turn into anything or the thing that I turn into is a fucking earthworm you might not be interested well I think it's just I guess my take on a lot of this is just there are so many magical things that break the way Harry Potter is framed which is more grounded in the reality of how worlds exist than like a magical reality where it's like the Marauder's Map Polyjuice Potion Anime Guy like all these things would fundamentally change how people behave but we have to it has to be a real world thing that we can believe so it's like right and i want to emphasize that i'm only disagreeing because i think you're right like the marauders map breaks the world the fact that these three kids became anime guy breaks the world like i'm just like how do you make it narratively consistent i think that's how which is just like wizards are profoundly not curious they do not care to know anything about other magics and i guess like Um, the other hard thing that you have to learn in your last two years or so of of being at hogwarts would be apparition which obviously would be your choice like if you were like how much time and work do i want to put into this thing where my two options are becoming an animagus or learning how to apparate you'd be like yeah i'm gonna learn how to apparate fuck being an animal well i could just show up somewhere else whenever i want that's interesting i've always felt apparating wasn't particularly hard it was just dangerous so like if you messed it up like that's why they like made it like they make it seem like it's hard i I feel like also transfiguration or not transfiguration uh becoming an animagus would also be dangerous oh yes i imagine both would also for transfiguration and and animagus like dumbledore is a transfiguration professor he is arguably like world famously good at transfiguration and is not an animagus so i think there has to be like some severe limitations on being an animagus yeah which makes it even more improbable that three people would do it exactly that we're all in the same class and we're all friends Ooh, wow like, it it good, just seems, it's it a just, great reveal. It I mean, just statistically serious, makes it feel silly. The serious being the dog one is like fine, but Peter Pettigrew being Scabbers is good. So that, that that one's worth it. But then you also couldn't have, like, you couldn't just leave Sirius out and be like, oh yeah, there was only one Animagus because like, what's a rat going to do to control a fucking werewolf? So like the, the, the dog has to be, the whole point of it is that they can transfigure into things and keep Lupin company while he's a werewolf, so... Just convenient right. as a dog. Yes, definitely convenient as a dog. Imagine if he also, turned into an octopus. What good would that be? Just like flop around. Wouldn't be a story then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, or they 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 balance a fishbowl in the prongs <laughs> of James, and they put the octopus inside of that. I think it works. So also, is wizard. there a correlation between your Patronus and your Animagus form? I don't know. They don't talk about it. But there are two different quizzes on Pottermore, if that helps. So so we basically get exposition now that Sirius sold out the Potters. Uh, Yeah, well, so that is like the the narrative of the Hogsmeade trips, right? Right. 
So a lot of these plots are happening all at the same time. So well, we kind of got to the end point of the Buckbeak plot, which will be resolved at the end of the movie, right? There's the serious gets into the castle plot. Um, we have the Quidditch match where Harry loses his broom because the Dementor is attacked during the Quidditch match, um, which is a sad sort of plot line because they, they cut the part of that that's really fun, which is when... Uh, Draco and them show up on the Quidditch pitch and Harry hits them with the Patronus, which I, I thought was fun. But he actually loses his broomstick. Uh, they don't have Cedric Diggory in this movie, but he does lose that Quidditch match to Cedric Diggory in the books. This is also in the books where they introduce the like Quidditch plotline in this book is where they introduce Cho Chang and Cedric Diggory to be relevant in the later movies. And I think in this book, he is like occasionally checking out Cho every once in a while yeah i think so such a yes. bad name yeah. um, yes super racist we'll get to her next movie anyways we get to hogsmeade uh harry can't go to hogsmeade because he doesn't have the signed permission slip form uh fred and george give him an arcane object of unimaginable power to solve his problem <laughs> so harry can now sneak to hogsmeade underneath the invisibility cloak using the marauder's map he goes to Hogsmeade, he fucking dunks on Draco Malfoy, then yeah. he learns the truth of Sirius Black. I think the only other plot you missed that happens simultaneously is that he's learning the Patronus against the Dementors. Bog- yes, Bogger. yes, uh, yes. We'll talk about his relationship with Remus Lupin, yes, uh, as well. So yes, he builds a relationship with Remus Lupin. Also a thing that doesn't make a ton of sense, though they do try to narratively justify it later by saying Remus Lupin just has a pathological inability to, like, make close relationships with people. <laughs> so he can't he can't just go to Harry and be like, hey, by the way, I was your dad's best friend. Do you want to hang out or whatever? <laughs> like, I, I mean, there is, like, a fundamental... I, I guess they try to retcon it a bit later in the series where Dumbledore's like yeah I couldn't tell you too much because it would break your brain and uh I suspected Voldemort was in there so could have given that away and that would have been bad but there's so many things that if they just gave Harry like a little bit more information he wouldn't make a horribly reckless decision and almost die at the end of every book right he's like yes Harry I was your dad's best friend it's crazy one of them could turn into a black dog, which may be relevant because there's been sightings of a black dog. And also, we made this dope-ass map that you could see people, even if they're in a different form. It wouldn't be crazy if you found that and you showed it to me, and then (laughs) there was Peter Pettigrew on that, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And our other friend who tragically died, he could turn into a rat. Why are you reacting that way? You, You know a rat? Oh, weird. Well, you know a kid who has a pet rat, and that's weird in and of itself. Well, he's so only probably had that, that rat for what, like two, three years, right? Like average rat lifespan, twelve years. <laughs> it's missing a tongue. Oh. <laughs> huh? Weird. <laughs> anyway, here's some chocolate. I gotta go talk to Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, fucking eat this chocolate, kid. I gotta. <laughs> we got shit to do. Serious black exonerated. Yeah. <laughs> Next day, just like. Have one convert. He's a thirteen-year-old, not like a four-year-old. Have one conversation with the damn kid. Keep him from getting himself near killed. Wild. There is a not insignificant amount of fan fiction out there that is along that line, because there is a lot of branch points in this book 
from which Sirius Black and Harry have a much more healthy relationship. And you can even have, like, Sirius... You know, Harry still has to go back to the Dursleys, but, like, having Sirius be part of his life in a more meaningful way has a a generally positive effect on his life long-term, I think. But anyways, that doesn't happen. People do not talk to each other in the Wizarding World. They There's two things people don't do in the Wizarding World. They don't become anime guy, and they don't have honest conversations with each other. <laughs> Impossible. Um, so, I think we just get into, like... This movie has an insanely long, like, third act, effectively, yeah. yes. which yeah. is... I think we've covered all the main points, right? Yeah. Oh, um, other side point, Hermione gets a cat. <laughs> the cat's more important in the books, but the cat is constantly antagonizing Scabbers, and eventually Scabbers runs away. And then the we get... The cat's pretty dope. Crook- yeah, Crookshanks is much more important in the book. Much more important in the yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. Because they mentioned, like, that it's, like, a special cat. Like, it's a measle. A measle is a magical cat. Magical that, cat. Yeah. I think the concept being, like, this is the justification for witches having cats as familiars. So that they were actually measles. And that's sure. to be... Yeah. Yeah, it's a good cat. Yeah. So things start to pop off. Yes. Because... So the third act begins with Harry, Ron, and Hermione... Going to see Hagrid before the execution of Buckbeak. Yes. They go to see Hagrid. They have a conversation about, like, trying to let Buckbeak go. But Hagrid's like, I can't do that. They need to see him. Da-da-da-da-da. It gets very late. Uh, Harry gets hit in the back of the head with a stone. I I could go into the little plot details of this because there's a lot of, like, the timelines are overlapping. But essentially... The minister and the executioner and Dumbledore come down to the cabin. The kids run away at the same time. Uh, and the kids think that Buckbeak is executed at this point in time. Buckbeak is presumed dead. Yes. Uh, oh, and in the cabin, Hagrid gives Ron Scabbers back. He says, somehow Hagrid found a rat wandering the grounds. Amazing. Hagrid eagle-eyed. <laughs> Truly. And then Scabbers I don't think looks ha- real shitty. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess Scabbers' health has been deteriorating the entire movie because he's being chased by Crookshanks is what we think. That's why That's why we want. they want the reader to think that, but it's really because Sirius is around and he's scared as shit. Right. So, as they're walking back, Scabbers bites Ron's hand and starts running away. Uh, Ron eventually catches him, but when he catches him, Ron is attacked by the black dog that has been stalking Harry all movie. The dog drags Ron underneath the Whomping Willow. Harry and Hermione have another action scene with the Whomping Willow uh, because they needed that, apparently. Oh yeah, I guess we um, haven't even brought up any of Professor Trollany's... Uh... I love her, like, the Grim, like, that she constantly is like, oh, Harry's seeing the Grim, and he sees it in the clouds, and he sees it in the tea, and it's, I, I like, yeah. I think she's great in this role, and I think it's a, a oh, good bit. It's very well acted. Yeah. She's great. It's just, there's so much going on. There's so movie. much to cover, but I just, I just yeah. shout out to her in that scene, those yeah. scenes, because she's such a, she's like the perfect person for that role. Yes, she does a very good job. This is like the peak Trelawney between this and the fifth movie. I mean, but I feel like she gets a little bit more time to chew the screen in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and she does a good job. So 
They go through the Whomping Willow. They go to the Shrieking Shack. We have the big reveal of everything that has happened so far. Remus shows up. Severus Snape shows up. And everybody learns the truth. Except Snape. They Snape talk, gets back They now. talk in circles and they aren't just direct about things. So Harry keeps thinking that Sirius is talking about murdering him because they can't just fucking say the words in the right way so that it doesn't sound like he's threatening him. <laughs> yeah, just like... Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm a little addled. I've been a dog for several months. <laughs> I'm not going to murder you. Right? Just something just, like that would be great. Yeah. Just a little, just a little something. But no, it's just these cryptic, like, I'm gonna murder him. I'm gonna murder him. I've waited my time. I'm gonna murder him. And you're like, <laughs> Harry's like, please don't murder me. And it would have just been nice to have him be like, not you, idiot. Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Who? Oh, yeah. The person we didn't tell you that could have been involved in this whole plot. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was dead. <laughs> so, very reasonable. Now, why you would not tell Harry about the hero that saved his life, Peter Pettigrew? Hard to say. Because apparently, in the context of the story that they all believe, Peter Pettigrew died tragically. Right. And was a good friend to the very end. They would have told, yeah, they would have told him about this person. I mean, like, he tried his best. He was a good friend. Yes. Uh Alas. But they don't do that. And they finally reveal everything. This is a really good scene in the book. Yeah. It's like really well done in the book. I think it's really done. I well think, done they, I think it's great well. in the movie. Yeah. yeah like yeah. Ron or Harry gets the wand and knocks out Severus to hear more. Like it's suspenseful. Like, yes. Yes. This is the beginning of Expelliarmus does everything. Yeah. Because in the book, I think all three of the kids hit Snape at once. Yeah. And that's why Snape gets fucking clocked. But in the movie, it's not that. It's just Harry. Yeah. And yes, Expelliarmus does everything. Later in the movies, they, they add Stupefy does everything. Yeah. It's just the deterioration of magic, but whatever. It, Snape gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. They finally reveal that Peter Pettigrew is Peter Pettigrew. Uh, the makeup and the effects on Peter Pettigrew great i mean wormtail gets uh, he gets he looks very good i think he worked like he the 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 actual depiction of that character just works in this movie yeah yeah like yeah the transformation back from a rat and like how he moves and all that stuff is like really compelling and yeah because he has literally been a rat for 12 years like he has not trans like transformed out of rat form in 12 years so it's it's a nice touch that they make him kind of look like a rat yeah yeah. Remus and Sirius line up to fucking ice the dude. Harry's like, no way. We should take him back because we need to prove that you're innocent. You know? And also you know, he deserves with... to be tortured for all eternity in Azkaban. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Harry, a little ice cold. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what he says, right? I mean, they he's make like... him look, they make it seem like he's doing it as a favor to him, but really he just wants to watch him be tortured for all of the rest of his life. You know, it's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a little stoked cold. But they go to take them out of the Shrieking Shack. They get outside. Um, and this is where the cycle of the moods become very important because it turns out Remus Lupin is a werewolf and is going to turn into a werewolf because today is the full moon and he forgot to take his wolf bane potion. I'd say, like, how could this motherfucker forget to take his wolf bane potion? But then... I understand what taking birth control every day is like as an observer. So, uh, weirdly <laughs> enough, I was going to make the same point. 
So, so it's like I, I forget it conflict. But like, okay, but okay. I, if I, I guess, I, it's a little a lot, more important. I right. think it's I, not that I would want to, but like worst case scenario, I miss a couple of days in birth control. I don't turn into a monster and murder people. I, I mean, I guess according to Texans, I might turn into a monster and murder people, but just one person. <laughs> it, it is just you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit that yeah. he'd forget this. Yeah extremely vital if medicine. your entire life revolved around every single month you turned into a literal monster that could destroy the school that your friend so graciously gave you a job at you would not forget to take your medicine you would not right right however i think in the book it's more like Snape came to give him his potion after Remus had already run off to to help. Because mm. Remus sees, like, Peter Pettigrew on the map near the Wampum That's true. Willow, he's very and... distracted. I guess that is a good right. point to make. Is, and like, that's he's, why he goes. He's, uh, he's also of the impression that Peter Pettigrew is the good guy. And when he sees him on the map, he's... I, I guess that would be enough right. to make me forget about so something So he like never has a chance to take the potion. Yeah. Because the potion's never with him. It's not like he's sipping the potion and then he's like, Oh no, I gotta go deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> he's like... Literally popping the little fucking progesterone out of the the packet, and he's like, "No, wait, I gotta go help my friend." <laughs> I still um, think he'd be on top of that, but yes, um, he. But forgets. he can't. He can't. He literally can't in the book. In the movie, it seems like he just forgot. Yeah. But in the book, it's like he might even be thinking, "I gotta take my wolf spade," but it's like also my friend's about to die, so like I gotta go. I gotta go take care of that. And he's like, "I'll just take care of it quickly. I'll be back in time for my wolf spade." He didn't know that Harry was gonna delay so long. <laughs> if Sirius had been less cryptic about all this bullshit, it's like, "No, I'm here to murder Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew is the rat. Let me do the spell that turns him back into a human. He's a human. Avada Kedavra. Huzzah!" And then Harry's like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't have murdered him." And he's like, "Oh, we'll just bring his body back." Yeah, like that still kind of proves he's innocent. That's enough, right? Like, because it proves that he lied and he didn't die. And you'd be like, look, it's basically the opposite. Like, it's just a person missing a finger. Whereas before, it was just like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then fucking Cornelius Fudge pulls the finger out of his pocket. He's like, it matches? You've had that this whole time? The whole time. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Lupin turns into a werewolf. Uh, Sirius turns into a dog. They fight. They run away. Uh, Peter Pettigrew gets away in the confrontation. Um, Harry chases after them. Sees Sirius fall onto the bank of a river. Uh, They're about to die. A bunch of Dementors show up. That's why they're about to die. Uh, and then some mysterious figure across the lake casts a Patronus, saving them all. It was obviously and then we cut. his dad. It was his dad. James Potter appeared from the dead. Uh, do love later in the movie where Hermione's like, but Harry, your dad is dead. It's like, fucking yeah, Hermione. <laughs> fucking yeah. Cool. He's an orphan. I think he knows his dad's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great bedside manner, Hermione. <laughs> so now we get literally another world-breaking magical item. This movie is full of just things that are like, oh, we're going to have to put these away somewhere. Yeah. So they go to the hospital wing. Dumbledore shows up. He's like, hey, maybe there's still time to save everybody. Which, of course, 
Dumbledore already knows that Buckbeak was saved at this point in time. So Dumbledore actually already knows that they did this. He also maybe knows that they've broken out Sirius already at that point in time. Yeah. So Dumbledore is actually just telling them the thing that they already did because he already knows that Buckbeak was saved. So this whole time, maybe that's the moment where Dumbledore's like, oh, right, this is why this all makes sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> Wild But once again, it. he's giving them instructions on what to do, and it's just cryptic bullshit, and you're like, you could have been more specific. Well, it's only cryptic to Harry. I think he does pretty much tell everything to Hermione. No, because they were just like, but more they... than one, I think the thing he says is like, more than one innocent life can be spared. They don't know that that means Buckbeak. Right, right. But I don't think he can tell them, hey, you already did save Buckbeak. No, but he could have mentioned, like, yeah, maybe you saved Buckbeak, too. Try and figure it out. And maybe one of those lives isn't human and has a wing and is, like, part (laughs) bird animal. Huh. Huh. Fox? Is Fox in trouble? (laughs) Fucking goddammit. Kids are so fucking stupid. Speaking of Fox... Could they not have just sent Fox to carry Buckbeak? Fox can carry things really heavy. No, but then Fox is not exactly known for stealth. Why would they need to carry Buckbeak? He can fly. Right, but like when they... No. Because then they're carrying around a hippogriff all night. You know what I mean? They They just like cord it around so it doesn't like wander into... It's not like when Cornelius Fudge is walking away later and (laughs) Buckbeak just passes in front of him. And he's like, oh, you son of a bitch. Sends the axe guy after him. Why did they bring an executioner? They have magic. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. The giant axe leaves a lot to be desired. I don't think there's a giant axe in the book. I'm pretty sure they just have wads because they're fucking wizards. Right. Why does anybody need an axe? But yeah, I think they only court Buckbeak around so it doesn't wander itself right back to Hagrid's <laughs> and get killed. <laughs> That's such a great scene, though, if that happens. It's like, oh, no, there he is. Okay, let's kill him. <laughs> so, yes, they they save Buckbeak by going back in time. They go back to the, the hut. Wait, wait, they wait. until... Wait, 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 wait. We can't just gloss over the fact that Hermione has a fucking time turner. And this is the first we're learning of this. She's been taking crazy amounts of classes all year and they don't know why. And it's just been like, a, has she been here the whole time? Has she been here the whole time? And they gave a teenager, a teenage girl, a time turner. And it's just, it makes me mad. They wouldn't have done that. I mean, this is, uh, I would love to go to Hogwarts, man. If I got a time machine to take more classes, like, you know I'm not using that just for classes. I'm ending third year probably 15 years old. Right? The amount that I've used the time to Yes. But it also just speaks to how bad their curriculum is if it's like, yeah, if you really want to get ahead, you need to If you want to be a good wizard, you have to literally fuck with time because we're not going to teach you shit. Yes. Again, also, people are so pathologically not curious that it has not come up before that somebody would want to take all the classes. Anyway, yeah, she has a time machine. But, like, she could literally ruin so many things. She could go insane herself. Yes, yes. If she fucks with it, she'll cease to exist. Right. That's how the movie works. Yes. Uh, They play pretty fast and loose with that, because it's like... 
they're like six feet away from her past self. Like, yeah, yeah, and they, she does see her past self several times. Yeah, I think like they, they do see each other. Well, yeah, she goes like, "What was that?" And she's like, "Oh, nothing." Yeah. Well, it's also it. She's been using it all year. So would you really go insane if you knew that you had this time turner? I don't know. That's the other thing that doesn't really make sense about time turners. It's like, yeah, you could totally fuck with it. It's like, all right, you went back in time two hours. Two hours ago, Hermione still knows that she is a time turner. So if she saw herself, she wouldn't go insane. She'd be like, oh, I must have done something cool. Good to know. I don't know how it really drives you insane either in a universe where you know time travel can exist. Right, right. You just like nod. Give yourself a thumbs up and then go and right, exactly. You, just can't, you can't interact with each other like right. really meaningful, but anyways, the person who really can't see himself is Harry, right? Yeah, because the other thing is they already know that they didn't see themselves, right? So now if Harry past Harry sees Harry, that's how it breaks your mind because he's like, wait, but I didn't see it when I was him, but now he's seeing it. And I'm not, and then you die. You, you cease to exist. <laughs> so you, you just can't do anything that you did. But if you pr- specifically planned, if you're like, I'm going to lay in this bed, and then two hours from now, I'm going to show up and come and say hi to myself. And then you walked into the room and said hi to yourself. You're like, okay, perfect. I This is a stable time loop. Exactly. It's just like, or doesn't maybe, seem too maybe, risky. I guess you again. could go crazy if you go back in time too far. And to, if you go back in time to the point where you did where you did not have a time turner, that would fuck you yeah. up. Because you, right, would, you, you in the know. old time would not understand why you in the future is there. Because you didn't know about time turners. Right. But it's also if you have the time turner and you see yourself... Now you're constantly going to be thinking, when did I come back to be that person? Yeah. Like how, when, what, at what point in time did that person come from? Because now I have to do that. Otherwise I break the timeline. Yeah. And I cease to exist. So I think it would cause a lot of anxiety. All the way, all that is to say, beyond Hermione Granger, the most pathologically responsible 13 year old in the world, probably not a thing you should give too many 13 year olds. No. No. I would only cause trouble with the time turn. 100%. Yeah. Thankfully, convenient she has one, though, for this. Yeah. Yes. When, and when I have a time machine, all my problems get solved by that time machine. Regardless of how, do, like, I, I'll find a way to make it work. Right. You could tell me it's only for going back and learning and going to other classes, but I'm going to use it every moment that I can. I mean, it's also not costly. She just has to turn this little device. Yeah. She'd be like, oh, that was an awkward conversation. Click. That's also why I think that... That's that's also why I don't agree with the noobs like that. If you did a, uh, um, uh, unbreakable vow, it costs something because it clearly costs nothing to do this. You just have like you just have a time turner. Great. Yeah, but then she does. Yeah, it's just the only way that the world is internally consistent is if unbreakable vows cost something. If there's something, I mean, time turners you do age. Like Hermione is technically older in this book by the end of this book than she older one more than one year older. At the end of this book, right? You should age. And so if you kept using it, eventually you would be, like, much older than you're supposed to be. That's true. Yeah. Alright, anyways. Anyways, they time travel. They solve all the problems. They save Buckbeak first. Then they go back and save Harry. Everybody's happy. Well, the big reveals are... It wasn't his dad. It was him. Yeah, he, he finally he did, did a full yeah. Patronus. Patronus real good. 
I don't know what else really happens. They are they are the ones who distract Remus so that they don't die to a werewolf. Yeah. Um, and then they break Sirius out of the tower with Buckbeak. Yeah. Right. This happens really yep. fast. It's like very. very it's pretty cool. rapid fire. Yeah, it's a lot of them pretty waiting rapid. around because like the Shrieking Shack took a while when they were actually in it, so it's just waiting for them to come out of the Shrieking Shack. I could just have left the Wolfsbane potion. <laughs> just like, you know what we should get now that we save Buckbeak? Let's go get the potion. Leave it but at the can't. entrance. You can't change the past. You can just experience the time again. So you can only do things that you know didn't happen. Because if they gave Remus the Wolfsbane potion, they cease to exist. Like, you create an unstable time loop. Yeah. You can't do things that you know happened differently. But they do change the past because they like throw the rocks and stuff. But no, but that's in the books. It's the same in the movie. The scenes are slightly different, which is troubling. But in the books, it's like roughly exactly the same. Like they throw the rocks because Harry got hit by the rock and realizes that. Like Hermione, right? But like they're the one who the threw rock. the rock. You know. You know what I'm saying? Right. But they haven't changed the past. That happened. Yeah. It's a stable time loop. Yeah. You're just, you're getting, because it's, time but is I, already looped. But like, I'm saying. In that, the past, when they went back They shouldn't the past, have to deal with the werewolf, because they have time travel, and they'll be like, you know what? I mean, I guess they could have gone back for, no, because they were already experienced it. No. Put like sorry. a little, yeah, go you back can't a couple go hours back. earlier, put a little note on <laughs> Remus's desk, it's like. Oh, don't forget the potion, too. Yeah, because then it would fuck up the, what happened. I, get, I know that. It's a totally different story. It's like. At that point in time, you have a story about, like, it's weird. We keep running into almost problems, but then they get solved. Yeah. And I don't know who's solving them. And then you find out at the end of the story, oh, it's been us. Awesome. Yes. So it would be like the werewolf scene. It's like, Remus, you forgot your potion. He's like, no, I didn't. But it was weird. It was on my desk. Yeah, and exactly. I, I didn't, Severus didn't drop it off. <laughs> exactly. And then they'd be like, huh. It was very convenient how he remembered the potion. Maybe we're the ones who did that. And then they don't change right and then they look over and peter Pettigrew is scampered away into a trap right. and he's just caught over there and they're like oh, who okay. put that there and it's like, i was like yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the peter Pettigrew thing is actually the biggest like true plot hole because he runs away into the forest right so there is no reason why they can't catch him yeah because they don't know that he's not caught right. he could be caught you know yeah, it doesn't really work. That's true. But there, there's, there's plenty of time travel. Like, yes, time travel exists, and you put it in the hands of two 13-year-olds. The timeline should be broken. Yeah. They should fuck up. Yeah. Anyway, they escape. Harry gets his map. He gets a present. A nice old broom. Lupin loses his job. Or resigns. I mean, he He's probably should never have been a teacher if there's, like, a chance that he goes oh, on a murderous rampage. It's so wildly petty, though, because he doesn't go on a murderous rampage. That's not why he gets fired. It's because Snape tells all the Slytherins that he's a, a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah, It's it has nothing to do with him actually turning into a werewolf and almost killing three children. So dumb. Snape's such a fuck. Yeah, it's bad. The bravest really man bad. I've ever known. Bull fucking shit. The smallest yeah. man I've ever known. Snape has a great moment in this movie, though, where he's mad at the kids, and then Lupin turns into the werewolf, and then he protects them 
That's yeah. a good moment. Yes. That's his It's only. added. Not not in the book. Not in the books. He's, a, he's, he's conscious of the books. But they add one seed of heroism because JK was probably like, you know what? I've made Snape too much of a dick. He is way too much of a dick. Um, well, before we get into the... Well, we could just say it. Yeah. Harry flies away on his new broom, freeze frame, but not quite. Like his face is kind of moving still. Motion blur. Worse so ending. horrible ending. Why would you emphasize that effect? Like, surely you all see it. What are we doing? <laughs> he could have just flown off screen and then they cut to black. Like, Yeah, anything. Anything other than that. Um, administrative note, I, we could probably just save movie four for its own episode. Yes. Yes, yeah. But I think so. This is, I, I Told mean... Told ya. Told well, because this is, like, actually when there's, like, plots in these yeah, movies. Yeah, that's why I said 3 was going to need its own thing, because it's actually good. Best movie. Best movie. But best movie because of the look and the feel. I yeah. don't know if this is the best Harry Potter plot. Well, okay, it's best adaptation to a movie, I think, because it covers a lot of the plot that is in the book. Like, there isn't really much missing, which is nice. And it's also, I think, yeah. the only reason that there isn't much missing is because the book was written so simply. And that, like, later you get twice the amount of books. So, of course, you're not going to be able to adapt it correctly into everything into a film. So, I think this was the best adaptation. And I think it's because of how short, essentially, the book was. Well, yes. Yeah, it is by far the best adaptation. But I think... It's a good adaptation. One, you're definitely right that it's like concise enough that they don't need to cut much fat to make it work. Yeah. But it's adapted with style too. Yeah. It's not just like frame for frame like the first two movies and then it's not so disconnected from the books. It's just like adapted with the personality yeah. and it makes it right. really entertaining. It is the Lord of the Rings movies to the Lord of the Rings books. It is acknowledging that in a different medium, you cannot tell the story the same way because you don't have the same luxury. Like in a book, you have so luxurious to tell a story in a book. You need any inner world. You need any inner thought. Just fucking write it. Say it explicitly. <laughs> like in a movie, you have to use subtext, which these movies don't use very much. But it's it's this movie is like a peak adaptation. However, it's also the beginning of the things that make the later movies bad. Because we have, like, unnecessary action scene, which in these movies is fine because the book is relatively short enough that you can add that and it doesn't matter. But by the fourth movie is the worst of the of the offenders because the fourth movie adds action scenes and cuts plot so that the book ends up being wild, like you wildly misrepresent the plot uh we also after this movie we have a ton of character erasure and just like characters not being mentioned or not being involved in the plot at all whereas this one pretty much has all of the main players involved in it um yeah so it, it works it's just more well constructed than the other books or other movies rather yeah such a good movie one of those movies where like so Note to the listeners, we got together obviously a month ago and watched one, two, three, four all together and literally like did not need to even like we've all seen it so many times, books or at least movie three that like we didn't even need to like rewatch it, even though it's been a month since we last saw it. It's just one of those like I could 
I think three and up, really, I've seen so many times that, like, if you were to, if anyone, this is one of those things where, like, you know how people are like, oh, if you, there's any one topic that you could just talk about at any point without preparing and give a lecture on, I'm like, it's fucking Harry Potter. Yes. Extemporaneously, I could speak on Harry Potter movies and books for a while. Yes. Clearly. Very long time. Yeah. So, it was... Ugh, love this one. Love this one. Although one and two I don't really rewatch. Well, like, if I'm going to go through and do a rewatch of all the movies, I just skip straight to three. Yeah. Again, I think that has a lot to do with consistent tone and quality. Actually, recently, very recently, we rewatched some of the Marvel movies. And Marvel movies have a a very different tone nowadays, but relatively a very consistent tone and quality where if you start from Iron Man at the very beginning and you watch all the way up to Endgame, it does feel like, okay, this is a series of things that are meant to interrelate and have a relatively consistent tone and quality. Even the movies that are a little bit more out there, like Thor Ragnarok, there are still the touchstones that are like, yeah, this is still a Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Harry Potter, those first two just feel so very different than the later (gasps) oh we didn't never mind i was gonna mention the dumbledore i just forgot about it didn't like yeah the recast because obviously dumb og dumbledore it does not even matter in this movie though no (laughs) he's like he's very minimally he's minimal uh, included i think the reason i was gonna bring it up was obviously for four did you put yeah. your name in the Goblet of Fire? I don't know if that's as much the recasting or just, like, direction, though. Like... Yeah, that's I, tone. I, I mean, like, the, it's a little bit of the both, new probably. Dumbledore is definitely less spacey and gentle and, like, yeah. like, diminutive. Like, he's definitely more of, like, a person who isn't a geriatric, but... Um, I think it's more the interpretation of, like, what kind of person Dumbledore is. And they make him much more assertive and aggressive in all the movies. It's not just four. No, no, no. It's not four. Um, It's all of them. Except for, I guess, this one. But I guess there's he's really not in He's in, like, three scenes. He's, like... Yeah. Yeah. I would argue, and this is a a relatively new take for me, but after rereading the books and the movies, that... This new Dumbledore, despite some very key mistakes, like that scene you're talking about, (laughs) is closer to book Dumbledore than the first Dumbledore. The first Dumbledore, like, if you take that first Dumbledore and you put him in the fifth movie, let's say, the fifth book, and you say, yeah, this guy is going to fight Voldemort, it just, it doesn't track. Yeah. It, It doesn't track to the only good part of the sixth movie, the end of it, right? Like, you just can't put that character anywhere else because it doesn't track. It also, the new Dumbledore plays much more into Dumbledore's assertiveness, as Matt said, and his, like, kind of cruelty. Like, Dumbledore is not a good guy, no. which they hit on in the seventh book, most of all. But, like, Dumbledore does some pretty fucked up shit and runs a school very poorly, as we've talked about on many occasions. <laughs> and it makes more sense with second shitty Dumbledore than first aloof Dumbledore. <laughs> like, that's very true. So, I. I, I've become a bit of a Dumbledore apologist, second Dumbledore apologist, but I still agree that like that that fourth book seed is like pretty egregiously bad. I mean, it's just an inconsistent characterization. Like, yeah, I don't even think they hit on the fact that he kind of sucks well enough in no, seven. They don't have time. Like, yeah, yeah, like a lot of seven in the book is like Harry coming to terms with how much Dumbledore like hid from him and like basically like manipulated him 
Yeah. Right. And in the movie, it's just kind of like, well, Dumbledore's dead. That sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know Dumbledore's kind of an asshole when you get Snape literally calling him out on raising Harry like a pig for slaughter. <laughs> it's like Snape's literally tr- tortured these children, essentially, bullied them, and threatened to torture their animals. Like, there was a quote that I highlighted from Three that was, like, him essentially, like, picking on Neville in one of his potions class and said, like, hey, like, uh, I'm going to use your potion on your on your toad, and if you did it right, it'll shrink back to a tadpole, and if you didn't, it'll die, because you're a fuck. And he's, like, essentially, like, and I know you fucked it up, so you're going to poison your toad. And it's like, that's fucked up. And this guy's calling this guy out on being... Brave and Harry for slaughter. It's like damn. Yes, brave. Hey, but remember, bravest man I've ever known. Brave. I mean, if you can't bully the kids, what's this all been about? So. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're gonna name our we're gonna name our kid Severus, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> That's the way to go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited to do the next one. I think the next one is when like interpretation starts to deviate from the books enough where you're just like you could criticize the movie for their adaptation more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got a lot to say about the sins of fucking Dobby Erasure, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> next time. We're going to get into it. The next podcast, all Dobby, all the time. Actually, maybe maybe we'll do that during the seventh movie, because that's when I, I think the sins of Dobby Erasure come to fruition. Anyways, we have many character erasures to talk about. We have many dragons to slay. Not slay, just steal an egg from. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, join us next time when we do uh, The Mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. That episode will come out any day now. <laughs> and we definitely are also doing Me, Myself, and Irene. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We're going to... Any day now. Yeah. So we'll see you guys next week for Jim Carrey's The Mask. <laughs> Bye-bye.